This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of men. You are the Renaissance. Hello, my name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to Poetry for Men, part of the Renaissance of Men podcast. This is my fourth episode in the series, so let's recap the journey so far. We began with Rilke and The Man Watching, a poem about the necessity of being shaped by failure and epic struggle. We moved on to Longfellow and Psalm of Life, which encourages us to live in the present moment and work without expectation toward our noble goals. Then last week, I read Alden Nolan's Mother and Son about the traumas we as men experience in childhood. Struggle, work, and trauma. These should be familiar themes to any man, forging ahead, fighting the good fight, and being stoic and determined in the face of pain. Or, in the immortal words of Admiral Farragut, damn the torpedoes. But what isn't as widely understood or discussed is the toll that these themes take on men's hearts and lives. Whether or not we recognize it, they do. And that's okay. What's not okay is the denial of their impact. The hearts of men are human hearts, after all. And the emotional core of any human demands attention just as much as our body does, not to mention our minds and spirits as well. This week's poem is about going into that place to listen, learn, and be transformed. It's entitled A Man Lost by a River by the American poet Michael Blumenthal. Unlike my previous poets, Michael Blumenthal is still alive. According to his memoir, All My Mothers and Fathers, he was born in 1949 to chicken farmers in New Jersey who gave him at birth to be raised by his aunt and uncle in Manhattan. His aunt died when he was 10 years old, and it was only then that he found out he'd been adopted. His uncle then remarried, and his second stepmother, quote, wanted no part of him. From these challenging beginnings, which to me are somewhat reminiscent of Alden Nolan's, Blumenthal went on to build several successful careers. He majored in philosophy as an undergraduate at the State University of New York, earned a JD in law from Cornell, and would later study clinical psychology at Antioch. About his winding career path, he once said, quote, Like many poets, I came to my vocation, one might say, through the back door, having struggled through years of seemingly desirable yet to me unsatisfying jobs while stealing the time from my true work. The original impetus for my writing, perhaps, was best reflected in a statement made by Robert Meese, I am a man, a Piscean, and unhappy, and therefore I make up poems. But I feel now that my work derives from the healthier and happier desire to tap the sources of my own inner wisdom and to make music of it, end quote. Remember those words. They'll come in handy in a moment. As a poet, writer, and essayist, Blumenthal has achieved remarkable success. He was a lecturer at Harvard University in poetry and a director of that university's creative writing program. He served as a senior Fulbright lecturer in Hungary in the 1990s and has received fellowships from the Guggenheim Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the Rockefeller Foundation. And in case that's not enough to give you a serious case of a LinkedIn inferiority complex, 
Blumenthal has contributed to the New York Times, Time Magazine, The New Yorker, The Harvard Review, The Paris Review, and the Norton Anthology of Contemporary American Poetry. I say all this because it's important that you understand going into this poem that when it comes to the subject matter we're going to cover, Blumenthal knows what he's talking about. If you're tempted to dismiss what he says, consider his background and accomplishments. Give him a fair hearing, listen carefully, and reflect. This is A Man Lost by a River by Michael Blumenthal. There is a voice inside the body. There is a voice and a music, a throbbing four-chambered pair that wants to be heard, that sits alone by the river with its mandolin and its torn coat, and sings for whomever will listen, a song that no one wants to hear. But sometimes, lost, on his way to somewhere significant, a man in a long coat carrying a briefcase wanders into the forest. He hears the voice in the mandolin, he sees the thrush and the dandelion, and he feels the mist rise over the river. And his life is never the same, for this having been lost, for having strayed from the path of his routine, for no good reason. This poem asks us a difficult question. What if you didn't truly know yourself? What if, amidst all the hustle, accomplishment, and drive, there was a part of you inside with its own quiet voice? And what if that part of you couldn't be found via the normal roads and waded off the well-worn paths of self you've traveled for decades? What if you had to get lost a bit to find that part of you? Michael Blumenthal both asks and answers these questions in this poem. One of the things I love about this poem is that its impact is found right at the beginning. Many poems leave you with a strong closing thought that echoes in the silence left by the poem's departure. I think of Longfellow's immortal line, learn to labor and to wait. As my voice stops and silence returns, the cadence, sound, and meaning of that line, and thus the entire poem, echoes on and drives in the point. Today we call that a mic drop. We've said what we had to say, and nothing more needs to be added. It's a fine art finding that balance, and many of the best speakers and writers have mastered that move. I think of Oscar Wilde and his famous epigrams like, I can resist everything except temptation. Experience is the name everyone gives to their mistakes. And my personal favorite, I have nothing to declare except my genius. I'll provide a link in the show notes to a page where you can read more of these. There are some I hadn't heard before and they're amazing. But if you think of an epigram as a complete, self-contained, and inarguable thought, many poems aspire to land in that place. Again, Longfellow, learn to labor and to wait. And here's Rilke, this is how he grows, by being defeated decisively by constantly greater beings. And finally, Nolan, even if he could make up his mind, that it's what he wants. But here, Blumenthal flips that around. It's the opening line that starts with similar force. There is a voice inside the body. That's it. That could be the whole poem. If you simply stopped reading there and sat with that idea, it would be enough to grasp the meaning of the poem. There is a voice inside the body? What does that mean? Fortunately, if it's not immediately apparent what it means, Blumenthal goes on to tell us. This brings me to the second thing I love about this poem, the music of it. Blumenthal is not just trying to tell us about the voice inside and its song. In his use of language, he's showing its song to us. 
Aside from the epigrammatic first line, there are four stanzas, and it's noteworthy that three of these stanzas are describing the primary, natural setting of the poem, and only one stanza, the second, describes the man experiencing it. And there's a marked contrast between the tone of the two. First full stanza. There is a voice and a music, a throbbing four-chambered pair that wants to be heard, that sits alone by the river with its mandolin and its torn coat, and sings for whomever will listen, a song that no one wants to hear. The powerful image of the throbbing pair dominates the stanza, along with that of the torn coat. I also want to note all the long O sounds. Throbbing, four-chambered, alone, torn coat, song no one. To me, this creates a moaning, longing feeling. And if you think this is an intentional, keep listening. Now let's skip ahead to the third stanza. He hears the voice in the mandolin. He sees the thrush and the dandelion. And he feels the mist rise over the river. He hears, sees, feels. Very sensual. And the nuance of the language is so refined. Voice and mandolin. Thrush and dandelion. Feels the mist rise. In a previous episode, I described poetry as the art of the sound and meaning of words. And I think these phrases are an excellent example of how that works. That word thrush is so visceral. It's not the image of the thrush, which I had to Google as a bird, but the word itself and the way it invokes the sense of a rush or thrill without actually saying it. Final stanza. And his life is never the same, for this having been lost, for having strayed from the path of his routine, for no good reason. This last stanza has a comparative gentility. Compared to the visceral vividness of the previous stanzas, it leaves the reader in an unfamiliar place, perhaps an uncomfortable and unresolved place, but a safe one. And we'll come back to that idea. Now let's compare these three stanzas to the second stanza. But sometimes, lost on his way to somewhere significant, a man in a long coat carrying a briefcase wanders into the forest. The meaning of the long coat and black briefcase is unmistakable. He's a professional of some sort, and the man isn't striding confidently into the forest. He's lost and wandering. And compared to all the open vowels and imagery of the other three stanzas, the words significant here feel stiff, square, and closed off, almost out of place. Significant. Four clipped syllables doing a hell of a lot of work. One of the things I found most enjoyable about reading and interpreting poetry in this series is coming to appreciate the precision and language that poetry demands, and how powerful le mot juste, or the right word, can be. In the contrast between the words significant and thrush in this poem, we get a small glimpse of that power when wielded by Blumenthal's deft hand. Now on to the meaning. At the beginning of this segment, I asked the question, What if you truly didn't know yourself? What if somewhere inside you, there was a man playing a mandolin and singing a song no one wants to hear? In case you don't know what a mandolin is, it's an eight-stringed instrument like a guitar, but rather than being big and boisterous like a steel string or electric, a mandolin is smaller, about twice the size of a ukulele, with a much more refined and intimate sound. I've included a brief sample of a mandolin from a video I found on YouTube. It's a box sonata being performed by a man named Chris Thiel. Obviously, I don't want to infringe on Chris's content, so it's just a brief snippet. But take a moment and have a listen. 
There's a link in the show notes to watch the entire 15-minute piece. It's a joy to watch his enthusiasm for performing it. Now, if you wouldn't mind indulging me, I ask you to please close your eyes and place yourself in the forest. Hear the mandolin, see the thrush and the dandelion, and feel the mist rising over the river. Hear the voice and see the man in his torn coat singing. What does it mean to say it's a song that no one wants to hear? If this voice is truly inside the body, as Michael Blumenthal asserts at the opening, the first and perhaps only person who can hear it is you. How long has it been singing? How long have you been ignoring it? Now here you are, and here I am, professionals lost on our way somewhere significant, experiencing an aspect of ourselves we've long ignored because we didn't want to hear our own song. And there it is, this voice, impoverished in a torn coat, alone in the wilderness. But there's a happy ending. Our lives will never be the same for having left the well-worn paths of our routine for no good reason. Because what would a good reason be? Needing something? Wanting something? Some sort of goal or project plan worth pursuing? Or is the desire for deeper connections with ourselves and our own hearts and the longing to experience and create beauty reason enough in itself. I think it is, as long as we're willing to stray from the noble pursuit of significance for a few meaningful moments and steal through a back door into the forest. And the reason why I talked about the sound of each stanza was because I wanted to demonstrate that Michael Blumenthal is not just telling us his story, but showing it to us with the sound of language. Could that also be your story? Could it be all men's stories? What if there were more to men than the necessity of struggle, work, and trauma? And what if it was in the unlikeliest of places, inside the body, and in our hearts? And as you listen now to this poem a second time, I ask you to think about Michael Blumenthal's resume, who he was, who he became, and whether he knows what he's talking about. And if you have a moment at the end, I invite you to listen to Chris Tile's full performance on YouTube and imagine yourself by your own river, and listen to your song. I hope you hear something beautiful and true. This is A Man Lost by a River by Michael Blumenthal.
there is a voice inside the body. There is a voice and a music, a throbbing four-chambered pair that wants to be heard, that sits alone by the river with its mandolin and its torn coat, and sings for whomever will listen a song that no one wants to hear. But sometimes, lost on his way to somewhere significant, a man in a long coat carrying a briefcase wanders into the forest. He hears the voice in the mandolin, he sees the thrush and the dandelion, and he feels the mist rise over the river. And his life is never the same, for this having been lost, for having strayed from the path of his routine, for no good reason. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.